Welcome to the Vox Community Podcast. Learn more about Vox Community at voxoc.com. Join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at voxoc.com slash live and at the El Dorado Performing Arts Center. Happy Palm Sunday, everybody. Glad that you're with us. Uh, exciting morning. We've got some fun stuff for us lined up. Uh, we're going to get straight to it, but I'd like to introduce to you a good friend of ours. You guys remember Josh Sofair, who was here with us. This is not Josh. He's much better looking than Josh. Uh, but this is Jeremiah. Uh, and Jeremiah is here representing Jews for Jesus, and he's going to share with us a little bit uh, about the Passover um, and hopefully give us some insight. So before we start, we kind of like to ask some questions uh, of you. And so uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. I, uh, I'm Canadian. Any Canadian-friendly people in the house? Oh, okay, good. Go. Good. There's always one. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I grew up in Toronto. My mom uh, was actually the first person in our Jewish family to believe in Jesus. Uh, she was born in Hungary. Her parents were Holocaust survivors. And um, so I'm here because my grandparents survived. And uh, grew up with my brother and my sister in a Jewish home, but believing in Jesus. And so it was kind of a, a very weird uh, thing because most Jewish people don't believe in Jesus. So we're sort of like uh, an oxymoron, like being a vegetarian for meat and uh, being a Jew for Jesus. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, married, do you have kids? Married, four kids, wow. three, five, seven, nine. Wow. So I haven't slept in a few years. <laughs> uh, with, that, with that big of a family, do you have any hobbies or anything that you like to do on the side? I mean, obviously, you're taking care of your kids is probably your hobby, but... Uh, that's my life's work, yeah. Yeah. Uh, hobby, yeah, I love, uh, I love hiking. We're right in Azusa, so right by the foothills, and I uh, love getting out above the fray and the noise and just uh, being able to contemplate and just Good. be out in nature. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Uh, now, we're going to do a Q&R. Q&R, that's what we use, the language. Q&R, after service. What, do you, have you done this before? Yeah. Okay, what's the number one question that you feel like you always get? Okay, so I guess I'll just tell you because you're probably going to think it at the end. <laughs> the number one question I get is, why don't Jewish people get this? Mm. Why don't Jewish people believe in Jesus after having celebrated the Passover? Gotcha. Gotcha. So don't tell them. No, 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 no. We're going to do this. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's good. I'm going to let you do your thing. So everybody, please welcome Jeremiah. Thank you. Well, shalom. Oh, so how many of you were here when, uh, when Josh was here? Okay. So you all already know shalom. Well, I'm going to teach you a number of uh, Hebrew words this morning, and uh, you'll, you'll walk out of here a Hebrew scholar. Well, maybe not, not quite, but... Um, yeah, it's really great to be with you, especially on Palm Sunday as we travel and journey to uh, Good Friday um, and Easter Sunday and Resurrection Sunday next week. Um, so the thing that I love, you know, growing up in a Jewish believing home, is that my mic? Yeah. Yes. Oh, it is. They know. Okay. We'll see. Someone's going to run out here and fix me or something, um, is that I have very fond memories celebrating Passover with my family. And um, the thing you need to understand about Passover is, is that it's the central story, it's the central narrative of the Jewish people. It's a story all about one word, redemption. Say redemption. Yeah. Redemption. And here's how I define redemption. Redemption. Buying back what's rightfully yours. 
Can you say that with me? Buying back what's rightfully yours. Redemption is all about buying back what is rightfully yours. And I want you to think about and remember, you're going to hear that word over and over this morning because Passover is all about redemption. It's a central story. It's a story... It's my story because I'm Jewish, but I'm here to tell you it's your story as well. And ultimately, it points us to the story of the gospel. And there's always somebody who who wonders, well, Jeremiah, what does the gospel have to do with Passover? Passover is Jewish. I think in this community, we all know Jesus is Jewish, yeah? Wasn't Norwegian. And Jesus celebrated Passover every year of his life like a good religious rabbi would have. And this morning, we're going to explore the story of Passover, and you are going to see the story of Jesus' death, resurrection, and the promise of his return right here in the Passover. It's going to be a good morning. So are you excited? Are you ready? I'm not so convinced. Are you ready? Okay, good. So let me just read a few verses from Deuteronomy chapter 16 uh, to give us some context for Passover. Deuteronomy chapter 16. Observe the month of Aviv and celebrate the Passover of the Lord your God, because in the month of Aviv he brought you out of Egypt by night. Sacrifice as the Passover to the Lord your God, an animal from the flock or herd at the place the Lord will choose as a dwelling for his name. Do not eat it with bread made with yeast, but for seven days eat unleavened bread, the bread of affliction, because you left Egypt in haste, so that all the days of your life you may remember the time of your departure from Egypt. So God instructed our ancestors to eat uh, bread made without yeast for seven days. And Passover marks the beginning of that seven-day holiday called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so during this time, Jewish people eat unleavened bread called matzah. Say matzah. Uh, If you look at Leonardo da Vinci's picture of the Last Supper, his bread was not this 2D, right? Now you know why he made it big. Uh, He was also Italian. That might have had something to do with it. But um, so why no leaven? Because our ancestors uh, didn't have time to let the, the dough rise, and they had to take their bread with them out of Egypt while it was still flat. And so um, we remove all the leaven from our homes so that the house is ready for the Passover Seder. Now, Seder uh, is another word meaning order because Passover follows an order of service recorded in this book called the Haggadah. Can you say that with me? Haggadah. And that means the telling because every year we retell the story of redemption uh, from generation to generation. And this morning, you should have received uh, a brochure like this. Just wave it at me if you have one. All right. If you don't have one, hold up your hand and someone amazing will come bring one to you. If the amazing people are here and they can bring one, thank you, amazing people. Just keep your hands up. So this is, uh, this morning we're going to look at sort of like the the excerpts from the Haggadah. So this is not the full Passover, um, but we're going to look at the excerpts that you're going to follow through with me um, on the brochure or on the screen. 
So Passover begins, like every Jewish holiday, with the lighting of the candles. The woman of the house does this. Um, I'll sing the prayer in Hebrew, and then I'm going to invite the women to read the prayer in English with me. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kitshanu B'Mitzvotav V'Tzivanu L'Echad L'Kner Shel Yam Tov Amen By the way, I forgot that after our prayers we always sing Amen, but can you all be the choir this morning and sing the Amen with me? Great. All right, so ladies, let's read the blessing over the candles together. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us by his commandments and commands us to kindle the festival lights. So there are essentially four acts in the drama of the Passover Seder. And the rabbis say we have four cups, and so we're going to fill those cups four times, going along with the four acts, and which correspond to four I will statements that God makes in Exodus 6. He says, I will bring you out, the Kiddush cup, the cup of sanctification. I will free you from being slaves, the cup of plagues. The third cup, the cup of redemption, I will redeem you, the most important and the highlight of the whole service. And I will take you as my own people, the cup of Hillel. So the cup of sanctification, the host offers a blessing to set apart the rest of the service. I'll sing the prayer in Hebrew and ask the men to read in English with me, and then we'll all sing the Amen. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Borei Pri HaGafen Amen Men, let's read together. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth fruit from the vine. Now, at the Jewish table, there's always a blessing for the uh, bread of the earth that follows the fruit of the vine. But remember on Passover, no leavened bread, just the matzah. There's an interesting item on the table called the matzah tosh. Tosh means pouch or bag. And there are three layers of matzah. Wouldn't it be cool if I pulled a rabbit out? <laughs> that would be a first. So, the head of the house removes the middle layer of matzah, and he recites the same blessing that Jesus would have said at his Passover. Baruch atadunai Eloheinu melech haolam hamotzi lechem in haaretz. Amen. Men, let's read together. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. He breaks it. And one half is wrapped in a white cloth, and then it's hidden from view. It's buried, if you will, and it's safe to be eaten for later. And uh, because it is, it's called the afikomen, which is actually Greek, which means that which comes later. And all the children later on have to search for it and find it in order for the story to continue to unfold. So the service has begun, and now the youngest child of the family, how many of you were youngest? Oh, I'm sorry, I was the oldest. Okay. Uh, the youngest child of the family has the honor of asking the four questions. Four cups, four questions, you see a pattern. And uh, they the chant the, the, the questions in Hebrew. This is the first one, and it goes like this. 
מה נשתנה הלילה הזה מכל הלילות, מכל הלילות, שבכל הלילות אנו אוכלים חמץ ומצה, הלילה הזה, הלילה הזה כולו מצה. Everyone, let's read together the first question. Why is this night different from all other nights? On all other nights, we eat leavened or unleavened bread. Why on this night do we eat only unleavened bread? <clears throat> so those of us who know the story of Passover are now obligated to respond to the child's question. And this is what God told us to tell them. This is because of what the Lord did for me when he brought me out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, when he redeemed me with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, when God provided the sacrifice of the Passover lamb for my family. Now, if you remember, my ancestors were instructed to take a spotless lamb, to roast it whole, and to apply its blood to the doorposts of our homes. And those who were obedient to God's command were spared the ravages of the 10th plague, the death of every firstborn son in Egypt. And when the Lord went throughout Egypt and he saw the blood on our doors, death was forced to pass, which is where we get the name. You guys are good. <laughs> Now you could see, you may notice how the blood-stained doorposts could foreshadow the wounds of our pierced Messiah. And you know what? In the same way that my Jewish people, they had to apply in faith the blood of the Lamb to the doorposts of their homes. So isn't it true that each one of us today must apply in faith the blood of the Messiah to the doorposts of our hearts? Amen? So the child asks three more questions. Let's read those together. Nice and loud. On all other nights, we eat vegetables and herbs of all kinds. On all other nights, we're not required to dip the herbs once. Why on this night do we dip them twice? On all other nights, we eat sitting upright or reclining. Why on this night do we recline? So the thing you need to understand about Passover is it's actually more than just a story. It's actually a reenactment, right? And on that first Passover, my ancestors ate their meal in haste. Sandals were on their feet, their staves were in their hands. They were ready to leave Egypt at a moment's notice. By the way, this is the very first Jewish fast food. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but today, yeah, thank you. Today, we relax. We actually recline on pillows. In Jesus' day, they were on pillows on the floor. Why? Because in ancient Middle Eastern traditions, Only the free could recline at the table. Only those who were redeemed. What's redemption? Buying back what's rightfully yours. We're going to get this by the time we're done. Don't, don't worry. So every, Jew, every year, each Jewish family recreates the Exodus experience. Every generation must taste for themselves the bitter oppression of slavery and must long to savor the sweetness of redemption. And so we have a Seder plate, and there's a piece of food symbolic of the experience of redemption that's placed into each one of these compartments. Now, God instructed us to eat three things at Passover, the Passover lamb, the bitter herbs, and the unleavened bread. 
And we have much more than that here. So where did all these other items come from? Tradition! Tradition! You guys have seen Fiddler on the Roof, right? I was going to say, it's all church movie night, Fiddler on the Roof, five hours, popcorn, it's all good. So this was added over time by the rabbis, but what you need to understand is most of this was present at Jesus' last Passover Seder. So the first item is called karpas or greens. We use parsley or lettuce. These greens represent life. Passover is the first of seven feasts. It happens in the spring, new life in the springtime. But before we eat them, we dip them in a salt water, which represents the tears of life. And by dipping, we're reminded that a life without redemption is a life drowned in tears. This is the chazeret. This is the root of the bitter herb. We use an onion or a horseradish root. This reminds us that the life is bitter as it was for our ancestors who were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. This is uh, maror. This is the bitter herb itself. This is freshly ground horseradish. Wow. Now I have a bit of a cold, so this might actually do me well. Now on Passover, we're supposed to eat about a full <coughs> teaspoon of horseradish. Do we have any volunteers? Anyone with sinus issues this morning? I declare that you will be healed in the name of Jesus with this. Okay. So now the rabbis want us to cry because, of course, it reminds us of the tears our ancestors shed when they were slaves. But remember, too, do you remember how Jesus told his disciples who would betray him? Do you remember what he said at the table? He who dips in the moss with me, the bitter herbs. Just imagine the bitterness of that betrayal. Well, by way of contrast, we have the charoset. Can you say that? Charoset. Like you got a cold in the back of your throat. Charoset. Now, this represents the mortar that our ancestors used when they made bricks for Pharaoh in Egypt. It's made of chopped apples, cinnamon, honey, nuts. Yeah, it's very delicious. Now, why in the world do we use something sweet to represent something bitter like slavery? I'm so glad you asked. The rabbis tell us that even the most difficult circumstances in life are sweetened with the promise of future redemption. What's redemption? Buying back. You got it. Now, all these items so far uh, were present at Jesus' last Passover Seder, except these last two, which you'll see why in a second. This is the Hagigah. This is a roasted egg representing the daily temple sacrifice. It's a token of grief over the destruction of the second temple. And so we break it open, we slice it, we dip it in the salt water, which represents what? Tears. Tears. That's right. And the last item is called the Zroah. It's pretty unusual. This is actually a shank bone from a lamb. Passover sometimes called the feast of the Passover lamb. But most Christians are surprised to find out that Jewish people don't eat lamb at Passover anymore. Why is that? You may wonder. Because what were the lambs that we used to eat at Passover? They were the Passover sacrifices, right? What happened in 70 AD? Temple, Jerusalem destroyed. No altar, no temple. You can't make any sacrifices, so we Jews don't eat lamb at Passover. But it's still at our table, which should force us to ask a very important question. With no temple, no altar, and no sacrifices, 
How is it possible to atone for our sin? You know, the rabbis, they always have uh, a good answer or two. And so they say, forgiveness of sins is now made possible through prayers, repentance, and good deeds. Just be a good person, they say. You've probably heard that from a few people. But we know from the law of Moses and throughout the whole scriptures that uh, atonement must be made through a blood sacrifice and that our good deeds are never good enough to save us. So with no atonement, no sacrifice, how is atonement, how is redemption possible? And would you know that in today's Seder, this question is left unanswered. We don't even talk about it. It's unresolved. Which leads us to the second cup. The cup of plagues. A full cup in Jewish tradition represents complete joy. We remember the joy of our redemption, but we also are sad and empty our joy a little bit because our redemption came at a cost, at the destruction of the Egyptians and the 10 plagues. So we take our pinky, we empty our cup, we put 10 drops on our plates as we recite the 10 plagues. We remember the price paid for our redemption. And there's an important lesson in this cup. Because time and time again, Moses went before Pharaoh and he said, let my people. And Pharaoh said, well, after a few plagues, Pharaoh tried to negotiate. He said, well, you could go, but all the men need to stay. Pharaoh said, no. And Moses said, no, let all of us go. After a few more plagues, Pharaoh said, you can go, but leave the animals. Moses said, no, we all need to go. So what was Pharaoh trying to do? He was trying to negotiate with God, wasn't he? Have you ever tried to negotiate obedience with the God of the universe? <laughs> like, okay, God, a little bit of your will, a little bit of my will, and, and uh, maybe, you know, and that just doesn't go over so well. And I think this is an important lesson for us, that when God says something, he wants us to say yes and do it with our whole heart. Because half-hearted obedience is just the same as full-hearted disobedience. Thank God that he doesn't require perfect obedience, otherwise none of us would be here. But he wants us to say yes and follow him. Amen? Now, after the second cup, we would have our meal, and uh, we would be full because our mothers and grandmothers are making all the food, and uh, this is why it takes five hours, sometimes six hours. But there's always a place, uh, a chair and a, ta- uh, and a place setting and a cup, which no one drinks. It's all safe for the prophet Elijah. Now, why, why do we, every, anyone, don't raise your hand, has anyone saved a table seat for a dead family member before? Okay, why do we do this? Why do we save a seat for an old member of the family who's no longer here? Because... The prophet Malachi says, before Messiah comes, he, someone else must come first, the prophet Elijah. And so, my Jewish people are still waiting for, for Elijah to come. And so all the kids go to the front of the door, and they open the door, and they call out for Elijah, hoping that the prophet will hear our, our invitation, come sit at our table, and then announce the coming of Messiah. Because wouldn't that be a great day if the forerunner of the Messiah could announce that the Messiah would actually come? And yet my Jewish people are still waiting. Still waiting for Elijah. Still waiting for Messiah. 
And yet when Jesus spoke of his cousin John, Yochanan, he said what? If you care to accept it, he himself is Elijah. So the forerunner has come. And when John saw Jesus coming towards him to be baptized, what did he say? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, the question of atonement has been answered. Redemption from slavery to sin is possible, not through the blood of lambs, but through the blood of the Passover lamb, the Lamb of God, the Messiah, Jesus. Amen? And the beautiful thing, friends, is that this Passover story now becomes our story. Why? Because it's only because of Jesus as the Lamb of God that we too may pass over from death to life. Amen? So after dinner, we've had a wonderful meal and uh, the service is put on pause. We can't go on any longer because something is missing. Earlier, something was broken, buried, and now needs to be brought back. Anyone remember the name? The Afi Komen. I knew you knew it. The Afi Komen. So, all the children search for it. Only one find it. And when they find it, they, the child brings it back to the father. And now I must redeem the Afi Komen to get it back. What's redemption? Buying back what's rightfully yours. Now, if I've trained my child well, they're going to bargain really well, and they're going to get some good money from it. So once money is exchanged for the afikomen, it's taken out of its white cloth. We break it. I pass it around. Everyone gets a piece. And then we take this together with the third cup, the cup of redemption. Look familiar? <laughs> Because this right here in the Passover Seder is where Jesus instituted the Eucharist. Now get ready. This is going to be great. Where else do we see a clear picture of Messiah Jesus than in the Afikomen? The matzah, it's unleavened. You know what leaven is a symbol of in the Bible? Sin. What else, who else in history has been sinless other than Yeshua, Jesus? The matzah, you may notice... It's pierced. Zechariah said, they will look on me whom they have pierced. The matzah is striped. Isaiah said, by his stripes we are healed. The matzah is broken, buried, and brought back. Come on. Jesus was broken, buried, and brought back. The afikoman comes back on the third cup. Jesus came back on the third day, and it gets even better because I don't only see the gospel foreshadowed in the afikoman, but also in the matzotash. Remember the three-layered pouch, right, from which the afikoman came from? There's quite a bit of disagreement among our Jewish rabbis about the meaning of this strange pouch, this mysterious three-in-one so some rabbis, you know, if you put three Jewish people in a room, you get five opinions, right? So some rabbis tell us the meaning of the three-layered pouch is that it represents the three patriarchs of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, that's all good, except why is it the middle matzah that's broken, buried, brought back? 
Other rabbis tell us it's the, the, the means the, the three divisions of worship in the ancient kingdom. Priests, Levites, people of Israel. But again, why is the middle matzah broken, buried, and brought back? So no one actually knows the origin of this tradition. It's a mystery. But there is some consensus that it has first century roots. And many people believe that this was originated by early Jewish believers who, of course, saw the perfect illustration of one God revealed in three persons, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why else is the middle matzah broken, buried, and brought back, except that Jesus was broken, buried, and brought back? Amen? This is good stuff, isn't it? Now, the third cup, it was this cup that Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. First prophesied about by Jeremiah, he said, I'll put a new covenant in, in Israel's heart. I'll write my law in their hearts. Their sins will be forgiven. I'll be their God. They will be my people. And the cup represented the blood of the lambs that we used to eat. And see, this is not the old covenant written on the tablets of stone sprinkled with the blood of bulls and goats. This is now the new covenant written on the tablets of our hearts sprinkled with the blood of Jesus himself. And what's amazing to me is that in both Jewish and Christian traditions, the broken piece of Afikoman and the cup of redemption are taken together in remembrance of those first lambs, the body and the blood of the Passover lamb. My Passover lamb is Jesus. The fourth and final cup, the cup of Hallel, the cup of praise. We drink from this cup and we recite the Hallel Psalms, Psalms 113 through 118. It's these psalms that the disciples sang when we read in the Gospels that after dinner they sang a hymn and left. The hymn wasn't Onward Christian Soldiers, okay? It was, it was the psalms, all right? But you know who didn't drink this cup? Jesus. Because it was this cup, he said, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine till I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And so some people call this the cup of the kingdom. And yet my Jewish people are still waiting for Messiah to come to gather his people together in Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And so we conclude the Passover every year with these final words. L'shana haba'a Next year in Jerusalem when Messiah comes. You see, we end on empty hope. Maybe Messiah will come next year. But as followers of Jesus, we have hope because we believe that Messiah already came and Jesus is coming again. And when he does, he will establish, he will gather all his people, both Jews and Gentiles who follow him, and he will establish his kingdom in the new Jerusalem, right? So why don't you join me with a hearty next year in the new Jerusalem, ready? Next year in the new Jerusalem, amen. I just want to end with two questions for you this morning. The first is, have you applied the blood of the Lamb to the doorposts of your home, to the doorposts of your life, your heart? Everyone had to do it. You know, we're not just 
born Christians, born into the kingdom, we need a second birth. And if you've never trusted and followed Jesus uh, for the forgiveness of your sins, imperfectly as we are, but perfectly as he is, today would be a great day to say, yes, I will apply. I will trust. I will follow. Have you applied the blood? And if you are a follower of Jesus this morning, my second question is for you. Will you tell the story of the Lamb? Will you tell the story of the Lamb? Every year we are instructed, obligated, to tell the next generation of what the Lamb of God has done for us so that we can be free. There's a world out there. We're a part of it. We're in it that needs to hear of what the Lamb of God has done for you. People need to hear it. You don't have to be an evangelist or a preacher or, or a missionary just to tell people, look, I had a headache. Someone prayed for me. God's real. Jesus is alive. Will you share the story of the Lamb? Because there's a world desperate to hear it. Let's pray. Just take a, a few moments right now, and I want you just to ask the Holy Spirit what He would like you to do with what you've heard. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd speak to your people this morning of what you need them to do, what you need them to live out and apply. May this not just be another message that tickles ears and we go home unchanged for it. Holy Spirit, we need you to help us to live this out. Thank you for the gospel story here in Passover. Thank you for the price that you paid, Father, to give up your one and only Son so that you could buy us back, so that we could be rightfully yours. And I pray you touch every heart this morning. May we have gratitude for what you've done for us. And we give you our lives. It's the least we can do for you giving yours to us. We pray in Jesus' name. All right. Amen. Good job, guys. Well, thank you, guys. Can we uh, thank Jeremiah for coming and sharing Passover? Very insightful. These people have some of the best questions, so get ready, because you're going to get more. So uh, at 1145, down where the physical education building is, is where we'll be doing the Q&R. So we invite you to come there. Um, stick around, hang out. We'll be at the patio. Um, inside of that uh, bulletin that you got that was handed to you, there's a Connect card on the bottom. Um, if you want more information about Juice for Jesus and connect with them, they would love to hear from you. So if you would just fill that out and drop it in one of the participation boxes as you leave, um, we'll make sure we get those to them. And also, if you'd like to participate in financially keeping going what's going on in this community, then you can do that as well in the participation boxes or online if that's easier for you. Um, and we got a special treat because Jeremiah is going to close with a traditional Jewish prayer um, over our church. So I'm going to let Jeremiah do that. So if you're able, I'm just going to invite you to stand. <coughs> so this is one of the most uh, ancient blessings that God has given the Jewish people. If you look at Numbers 6, 24 and 25, God told Moses to tell Aaron and his sons, he said, this is how you are to bless the, peop the children of Israel. 
And the neat thing is, he says, when you bless them, I will put my name on them. So as I typically do, I'll just invite you, if you wish, just to extend your hands out like this as a way of uh, just receiving God's blessing and receiving his name. I'll chant it in Hebrew first, and then I'll, I'll say it in English. Yivrichich Adonai v'yishmericha Yairdenai p'navalecha v'chunika Yisa Adonai Panavalecha V'yasem lecha The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His face toward you and give you His peace. B'Shem Yeshua Meshachenu Sar HaShalom. In the name of Jesus, our Messiah, who alone is the Prince of Peace. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in God's grace. Thanks for listening to the Vox Community Podcast. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash voxcommunity. Participate in the Vox Community at voxoc.com slash participate.